We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode, as always, is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks and my friends at the B-Dub. And we're coming at you before another week's game. This time we're coming up against the Seahawks, the Seahawks. And I don't care if they're apparently suck. You can always get up for a week against the Seahawks. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, the 49ers probably most it's, it's easily their most significant rivalry outside of the Cowboys. And even the rivalry against the Cowboys is a bit more of a dated one. I, I guess it'll, I guess you could call it timeless. The 49ers rivalry against the Seahawks. We all know where that stems from. Um, but I mean, oh, since the easily since the Harbaugh era, I mean, and we could probably go back further than that if you want to. It's um, it's always been the Seahawks, and we know that. And and you know, as as is said with all division games, it doesn't matter if one team sucks and one team's really good. They always have a way of being interesting. I mean, think of the Harbaugh years during those three years where he was, you know, NFC Championship, Super Bowl, NFC Championship. For the most part, every one of those games against the Rams, those Jeff Jeff Fisher led eight and eight, seven and nine, whatever you got Rams that were never that great. They always managed to give the 49ers a run for their money. So you know, going into the Seahawks week, do the Seahawks suck? Yes, it seems as if they do suck. But that just isn't how my brain is approaching this week. I don't see shitty Seahawks versus, you know, perhaps a surging 49ers team. I see 49ers versus Seahawks. I don't know if you guys out there are like that too, but that is just how I see it. But before we get into 49ers and Seahawks, among other things, uh, let's hit you with the uh, the practice report so you guys know 
or at least have a good idea. And, and this practice report does give us a good idea of what to expect um, for the Seahawks in terms of who's going to be out there and who's not. And it's it's not exactly good news. If you listen to um, our pod earlier in the week, you know, I, I realized towards the end of the pod, I'd realized I'd forgotten to to mention the injuries from the 49ers win over the Vikings. And I just said, screw that. I'm not even going to tell you. Go look them up. I didn't want to ruin the positivity of the episode. But now it's time to uh, uh, face the music. And the the list of players that aren't practicing, all of which are very likely not to play in the game, it's not great. Leading off with linebacker Dre Greenlaw, who injured his groin against the Vikings. His first game back um, since early in the season. Uh, he'd been on injured reserve for most of the season. They opened up the practice window. His first game back, I believe it was in the first quarter, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Dre Greenlaw was out of that game pretty quick. And now he suffered a groin injury. Uh, we'll see how long uh, how long that, that plagues him. Hopefully it's not too long because following up Dre Greenlaw is Fred Warner, who suffered a hamstring injury that is not – now, I don't know if you guys think of these the same way I do, but anytime I hear hamstring, I'm thinking at least two, three, four weeks. You know, hamstring strains can be very significant, but in the case of Fred Warner, uh, it's really only supposed to sideline him for like this week. Maybe there'll be another week, but it sounds like it's only supposed to sideline him for this week. So the faster Dre Greenlaw can come back, the better because the 49ers don't have Fred Warner. But at the same time, Fred Warner might beat Dre Greenlaw back onto the field. So uh, we'll see. And and right behind them is former safety, now linebacker Marcel Harris, who suffered a concussion against the Vikings. And he's not practicing. And he has not yet cleared the concussion protocol. And if you haven't con- cleared the concussion protocol by Thursday, then you probably are not playing. And and that's obviously that's not a guarantee. That's not, you know, don't quote me, but that's what it seems like. So the 49ers are down three linebackers, um, look to be down three linebackers against the Seahawks, which is not ideal. But the fact that Aziz Alshire is really coming into his zone, had a really key interception uh, against the Vikings of Kirk Cousins, it helps. And he'll be the middle linebacker to take over Fred Warner's kind of middle middle position. Uh, he'll have the green dot calling plays for the defense. And it, it's it's his defense to lead for the most part. And will it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the – rather than, you know, leaning on Demetrius Flanagan-Foles – um, which is really their only other healthy linebacker. Rather than doing that, I think it's definitely a dime defense for the 49ers, which which means six defensive backs, essentially. You'll have three safeties and three corners. Um if I'm doing if I'm if I'm quoting that right. I believe I'm quoting that right. Because uh, you know, nickel is obviously five. Uh, defensive backs. And so it, 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 they will probably, you know, and this is how the 49ers get Talano Hufunga and Jaquiski Tart on the field at the same time. I don't know. I, I don't know which, which one you would rather have play linebacker. It seemed like Talano Hufunga has kind of been that in that role, but that's how you get them both on the same time. And that, that doesn't really scare me. You know, it, it, I don't like the fa- – obviously losing Fred Warner is he's, – he's one of, if not the best middle linebacker in the league. But if you can have Chikwisi Tart, Talanoa Hufunga, Jimmy Ward all out there at the same time, that that's a quick defense. And that may be what the 49ers need 
against a Seahawks receiving core of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. You know, having that extra speed out there, you don't necessarily have the thumping power that linebackers typically bring. You don't have the, you know, the weight to throw around the take. You don't take, you can't really take on blocks as well, but I'm not going to tell those guys they can't, they can't do what a linebacker does. So that's what I'm expecting the 49ers to do to make up for the fact that they're down so many linebackers. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where they go with that. I'm taking a look at the practice squad right now to see if there's any guys that are likely to get uh, promoted. I mean, they really only have one linebacker on the practice squad and that's Tyrell Adams, uh, a veteran out of, you know, went to West Car- West Georgia, but that was five years ago. So there's really not a whole lot of depth at linebacker behind um, the players that you we've already mentioned. So really, really look for the 49ers to put those safeties out there and, and just run with that, which, like I said, seems like even if a lot of those linebackers were healthy, maybe that we, would be the way to go to begin with. But right now the 49ers don't have any choice. Um, following up that group of linebackers is, like we all know, wide receiver Debo Samuel, who – Suffered a groin injury against the Vikings, kind of took himself out the second half. And I don't mean that in a in a negative way. Normally when somebody says somebody takes themselves out, it sounds a little like they're giving up. But I think Debo realized where he was at and, and what he was feeling. And I, I think he probably has some self-awareness as to the type of season, the prolific season that he's having. And he, I, I thought I read somebody else saying something similar, that you know, Debo Samuel kind of realizing what had happened and not trying to get back into the game was might have been a sign of maturity in the fact that he knew that something was up and he couldn't risk any further injury. And I'm sure everybody on the 49ers sideline uh, felt the same. And that's a tough loss, even if it's just for this one game, which is kind of what it's sounding like. But again, with like like Fred Warner, it could be it could be two, it could be three. We just don't know. Um, kind of you never know with those injuries, especially with the with the way it seems like the 49ers kind of dance around them a little bit, you never really know uh, how long the player is going to be out. But things look relatively positive for Debo Samuel, and we all know that he's just the absolute engine of that offense. We'll talk about that a little bit, because making up for the loss of Debo Samuel, even if it's only for one game or two, is, is something that's got to be talked about. Uh, right behind him is running back Trey Sermon, who suffered, suffered a low ankle sprain against the Vikings. He... Uh, I know that Kyle Shanahan mentioned the possibility of putting him on IR. We'll see. We'll see. They haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet. Uh, Matt Barrows of The Athletic did say that when he went to practice, Fred Warner and Debo Samuel were working out on the side field. And they see, he said they were moving well. So that's positive. You know, the fact that they're, they're moving around and they're not like completely stationary. Uh, their injuries, you know, are obviously – light enough that will permit them to, to move around. So that's good. That's good. And I, I'll i just run through that list again. Linebacker Drain Greenlaw, linebacker Marcel Harris, linebacker Fred Warner, wide receiver Debo Samuel, uh, running back Trey Sermon. I don't, I don't think any of them are going to be ready to go against the Seahawks. So you can expect that the 49ers inactive list leading up to, uh, you know, an hour before the game, hour and a half before the game. Uh, will look like that. That will probably be all of it with maybe one or two more added on. But the 49ers probably won't need to. It just depends on where the roster is right now. Uh, limited in practice was running back to Michael Hasty and defensive tackle Maurice Hurst. Um, we'll see with them. I, I thought they'd be ready to go. The 49ers obviously could use Jamichael Hasty right now and they could use Maurice Hurst too. You, you can never go wrong with more defensive linemen. We'll see where they are. 
kind of too easy, too early to predict. Um, and then practicing in full, meaning they return to practice. Uh, usually they don't put a player on the practiced in full designation unless they've recently missed time. And to lead that off, you have Nick Bosa, defensive lineman Nick Bosa, center Alex Mack, and offensive tackle Trent Williams. All of them are listed on there because they were given uh, time off, a day off, Veterans Day, rest day, that whole thing. Uh, Contavious Street is practicing in full. He had a wrist injury and probably the most, uh, I don't know, the most positive of these is running back Elijah Mitchell is now practicing in full um, after, you know, dealing with a, a kind of a continued rib injury that I've heard was rather painful. So good on him for, for toughing through that. And then obviously he had that finger surgery, but that did not stop him from running the ball against the Vikings 27 times for 133 yards and a touchdown, not to mention catching it a few times, five times for 35 yards. So, Elijah Mitchell's back. The 49ers just genuinely had themselves a uh, a real lead running back. And, and you know, this harkens back to, with me, this harkens back to the time of a healthy Raheem Mostert, who was just far and away the 49ers lead guy and, and a player that was good enough to just completely lean on. Um, and that's, to me, kind of what Elijah Mitchell is emerging as. So that's really, that's I mean, that's that's a positive. So, Mentioned it earlier. Let's jump into 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 the fact that the 49ers are not going to have Debo Samuel. And I've said it many times. You don't you don't need to hear me say it. It, it. Debo Samuel is obviously the 49ers just offensive core right now. I mean, he's it's it's kind of a funny record, but I think right now Debo Samuel is the only wide receiver in history to have a thousand rush thousand receiving yards. And over 300 rush yards. I think so. that's what it is. It could be could be over 200. I'd have to look at Debo Samuel's stats to to confirm how many how much rush yards he's up to. But he's in a very. I think there's only three other players in NFL history, and I think the other two are running backs that have five receiving touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns at this point. Debo Samuel's got a lot of weird stats going for him right now, but that's a good thing. It's just it goes to show you that what he's doing in the 49ers offense is completely unique and it's special for sure. We've been watching it. This, I mean, the 49ers have six games left, and Debo Samuel has already eclipsed a thousand yards. He's special, and we've been watching that all season. And now that they're not going to have him, whether it's for this unique this week or two weeks, I think the main I think the person that this falls on the most absorbing Devo Samuel's absence. Man, there's a lot. There's a couple names floating down around my head right now. I'm sure as I'm saying this, you guys are saying a name too. But to me, it's on Kyle Shanahan. And that may be a cop out a little bit. But Kyle Shanahan had obviously built these very, very specific plays in schemes that were built for Debo Samuel and no one else. There are plays, those end arounds, those those motions into handoffs, those uh, designed runs that you could just tell were just built for Debo Samuel and the way he moves. Can another player on the roster run those plays as well as Debo Samuel? Maybe, maybe not. Elijah Mitchell is a great runner. Does he move like Debo Samuel? No. He doesn't. Not to say he's not as fast, but he's just different. 
Brandon Ayuk, very slippery, very quick. Does he move like Debo Samuel? Nah. Is he capable of running those same plays? Maybe. But Kyle Shanahan has got to find a way to take the impact that Debo Samuel was having on this offense and disperse it among players. That starts with him. I would say right after him is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has got to find a way to spread the ball around because his favorite target, whether it's in the pass game or a player he's handing the ball off to, uh, is not going to be there for a game or two. So he's got to mentally prepare himself to be looking at a different target. That means timing. That means a dip, possibly a different location of the field. That means different plays. Between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, they're the two that are ultimately going to decide how much of an impact not having Debo Samuel has on this offense. It's going to come down to Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo and their ability to make sure that that those the effectiveness of Debo Samuel is spread around to other players. Whether you're running the same plays with the next best player or you're running an entirely new set of plays that accentuate the strengths of your other players, if those plays that Debo Samuel was running are what are best for Debo Samuel, then now you need to figure out what the plays what plays you can run that maybe you hadn't been running that are best for Elijah Mitchell, best for Brandon Ayuk, best for George Kittle. Heaven forbid George Kittle get like five catches. You know, and that leads me to my next people, one of my next pe- people, players, whatever I want to say. I'm trying to speak English out here. George Kittle, this, could this be the big game for George Kittle? I don't know how the Seahawks do in terms of tight ends. You know, like in fantasy, it tells you how good the defense has been against tight ends. Um, I don't have that in front of me, but this seems like a game where, you know, an old school 49ers 2019 game where George Kittle gets six or seven catches for 80 or 90 yards, you know, unless he breaks a big one. Yeah, that's it. Debo Samuel's absence seems like as good of an excuse to get George Kittle more involved as as you're going to get. And then obviously right behind George Kittle, you've got Brandon Ayuk, who the last time, last year, when Debo Samuel was not on the field, Brandon Ayuk was, I mean, we were blown away. Now Brandon Ayuk, in his defense, has turned it up. He seems to be all kinds of back. But here's a good comparison for you. Brandon Ayuk last year started 11 games. This year, he started 10. Last year, Brandon Ayuk at this point had played in 12 games. This year, he's played in 11. Last year, he had 50 more targets, almost 30 more receptions, 330 more yards, and two more touchdowns. Now, that's easy to say because he was operating in an offense without Debo Samuel and without Jimmy Garoppolo, for that matter. But it, it, to me, this is this tells me that Brandon Ayuk can handle the additional workload. We've seen it as a rookie, and whatever strides he's made since you know having his early season struggles and his conversations with his head coach and his fellow teammates, I feel like he's ready to take that step up. So, it, you know, Brandon Ayuk is as just as good as an option as anybody else to really receive those those additional looks and those plays. And just we have seen Brandon Ayuk have some success on some Debo Samuel type plays, end arounds, you know, little those little those little run plays, or it's actually a pass where the quarterback just tosses the ball like two feet forward, and the guy gets it and goes, you know, all that stuff like that. 
Brandon Ayuk has had had uh, success with those plays too. So maybe he's another guy that that is helped absorbing the the loss of the Debo Samuel. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is it's going to be really a collective effort that really shouldn't fall on any one player. Debo Samuel was just that unique. It's not going to be like that. But again, I go all the way back up to Kyle Shanahan to make sure that he has his pistol loaded with these plays that tailor the strengths of the players you've got out there. You can't just say, hey, this play worked with Debo Samuel. You run it. That ain't it. Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel. There's not very many players in the league like him. There might not be any in the league right now like him. You know, he's like a Percy Harvin and, you know, he, he's just so unique. So, you know, it, it, it's not, it can't come down to one player to just run the plays that Debo used to run. It, it can't come down to that. And then obviously, you know, the two players I haven't mentioned yet is... Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. I mean, I guess I've mentioned them, but I haven't really put it on them. They're the 49ers rushing attack. Debo Samuel was was getting a lot of carries. Against the, the Vikings, Debo Hamuel had Debo, Debo Hamuel. <laughs> I said that. Debo Samuel had six carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Carries. Debo Samuel had six carries. Those are runs that could go to a running back. Now, one of those was that that patented Debo Samuel end around where he got around the edge and took off up the field. And, and can these running 49ers running backs do that? I don't know. But, um, you know, the, the bulk of the carries that are lost to Debo Samuel will fall on Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson. So it's up to them to, to soften that blow. But again, I just don't want I don't want it to be obvious that Kyle Shanahan is running Debo Samuel's plays with somebody else. I just don't feel like they're going to work. Has to switch that up. Has to switch that up. All right. So when we come back, we're going to going to get a quick word in from the sponsors. When we come back, I'm going to talk about just a, a few things that Kyle Shanahan said about Trey Lance, a little Trey Lance quote and why we haven't seen more Trey Lance. Pretty interesting answer from Kyle Shanahan. And then we will of course talk about the Seahawks. And why this is still the 49ers and Seahawks that we should come to expect. So, all right. Tick pick is upon us. 49ers football is back. All right. And you know know the drill. You don't need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. Tick pick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of your NFL tickets. Don't believe it? You can find a better price for the same seats on another site? If you can, TickPick's going to give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So, fear not. Get on TickPick. The 49ers have two home games left of this season. Which seems kind of crazy. I'm even I'm even gonna get on here and double check that because it just seems crazy. I believe it's two. I believe it's two. Let's come down here. Okay, we've got week 15 against the Atlanta Falcons. And then we've got week 17 against the Houston Texans, and that is it. I felt like I knew that, but it just seems so crazy. Like, man, out of the out of the entire out of all the games the 49ers have left, one, two, three, four, five, six, only two of them are at home. So, my point being, 
get on TickPick.com. Get yourself some 49ers tickets. But make sure you, when you're entering in the address, TickPick.com, also enter slash gold. And you're going to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash gold to save 10 bucks. Why would you not want to save 10 bucks? And it lets them know that you came from Striking Gold. And I appreciate it. Again, that's TickPick.com slash gold. T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. All right. So interesting quote from Kyle Shanahan. He was kind of asked about the fact that he seemed to have gotten away from the usage of one Trey Lance. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Shiny new rookie quarterback that the 49ers traded. Three first round picks plus four, plus being the other picks. I don't want to go over them. Um, Kyle Shanahan's answer was pretty interesting. And I believe this was published by Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports Bay Area. Shout out to Jen. She's awesome. Um, Kyle said, what's been hard on me that I didn't realize is when you do bring in a different quarterback who gets a different set of plays, and it's almost the first play I've been seeing of a new defense. You see what fronts and coverages they're doing, but they're doing it completely to a plan, completely to a plan as a threat of the runner at that position. I don't know what to anticipate with it, and then I got to stay with it for a while to get a feel for that, and then you go back, and that feels kind of off for the last guy, so it kind of hurts my rhythm a little bit of understanding what a defense is getting. 
That's why personally, as the year has gone, I've gotten a little more away from it because I like to get a feel for what the defense is doing. So when it comes to Kyle Shanahan not deploying Trey Lance as often as he did in the beginning of the season or in the preseason, it seems to have more to do with Kyle Shanahan than it does anything else. We are all fully aware of Kyle Shanahan's ability as a play caller. And I just loved this answer. Not that it's necessarily what we or anybody wants to hear, but it's just very honest and it makes a ton of sense. Kyle Shanahan and his play calling, he's mentioned it so many times, revolves around his own rhythm and him getting a feel for what the defense is doing and taking advantage of it. Well, like he said, every time he were to usher in Trey Lance, the defense would do something completely different. And there is no rhythm in that. There's no flow in that. And there's so much flow in a football game and in play calling on offense and, you know, getting the defense to react to what you're doing and taking advantage of it and just dictating the flow and the tempo. It it would be, and I, I can completely understand, it would be really, really hard to do with an entirely new quarterback that really kind of ushers in a new set of plays. And then like Kyle Shanahan said, ushers in a new defense that's going to react to your plays in an entirely different way. So I just thought it was a really interesting answer. It just kind of, you know, gives us a little bit of an insight into the mind of, of Kyle Shanahan, which is a place where we all want to be. And it really just comes down to the fact that Shanahan doesn't believe he can run a Jimmy Garoppolo offense and a Trey offense simultaneously, the way he's used to running an offense, you know, dictating those rhythms and those flows, uh, you know, and, and Kyle Shanahan's talked about this. Players have talked about this. So many different people around Kyle, Mike McDaniel, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle. They've talked about the fact that Kyle Shanahan will call a play in the first quarter, in the second quarter, so that he can call a play in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, that was based off the results of the plays that he called in the first and the second quarter. And I can see that being really softened or if not completely removed from, you know, kind of like the game plan or, you know, the play calling when you're switching in quarters, like, you know, switching in and out of quarterbacks like that, uh, you know, it would take an unbelievable amount of game management to know how they reacted to a Jimmy Garoppolo play versus how they reacted to a Trey Lance play. And then you're trying to remember both of those from earlier in the game and different court, you know, it's even confusing to talk about. So it really was a cool answer that I do understand but what that means to me is Kyle Shanahan is in for a long-ass offseason. We've seen many, 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 many articles. I'm just going to keep saying many over and over until you guys just stop listening. <laughs> um, we've seen many articles over the past week talking about the fact that the 49ers plan to trade Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. I saw one today saying the 49ers were asking for a first-round pick which is not that crazy to me. Like the fact that people make a big deal out of the 49ers asking for a first round pick for a seasoned quarterback that's as of right now playing solid football that's been to the Super Bowl. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has, has more than his fair share of bad. But if you think about the f- quarterbacks that are being drafted regularly in the first round, and then you got to you know think about 
um, where in the first round that pick would fall. Not to mention, I mean, look what the 49ers just gave up to go get Trey Lance. Uh, I mean, one singular first round pick, it just has gotten to a point. I mean, look at how often the Rams deal first round picks. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the way to go. I mean, look at the Seahawks. They just gave, you know, you're talking about a singular first round pick for a quarterback, which is the most important position on a team. That despite Jimmy Garoppolo's struggles, there are a lot of things to like about him. He's, as a person, he's very likable. He seems like one of the most humble quarterbacks in the league. Not that that's something you need to keep track of. (laughs) There's no humble quarterback ranking. But, I mean, he just, he's everything you want from a person standpoint. Now, he's probably not everything you want from a quarterback standpoint, but they certainly get a lot, a lot, a lot worse. Now, if the 49ers don't get a first round pick, then whatever. The point I was making here is if the 49ers do find a suitor for Jimmy Garoppolo and they trade him for a first round pick or they trade him for a a second round pick, I don't care what they trade him for. If they do find a suitor for Jimmy Garoppolo, one that Jimmy Garoppolo agrees to be traded to because he has a no trade clause, then so begins, I, I immediately think of um, the the King standing on the, at Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings, and he's, you know, right when the the orcs rush forward to begin the huge battle at Helm's Deep, you know, he just says, uh, so it begins. You know, and, and to me, the moment Jimmy Garoppolo is out of that building, that's what I say in regards to the Trey Lance project. And and not even the project, the Trey Lance adventure. And I know that and saying that makes me think of the Hobbit where he's running down the, the trail and says, I'm going on an adventure. So you guys are just briefly getting a window at, at to uh, how much of a dork I really am. I mean, you probably caught on to that already, but huge Lord of the Rings guy. I pretty much just rotate between Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. But anyways, that's, we're going a little too far off topic. And you're you're gonna you're talking about a Trey Lance that that it seems clear to me at this point that the 49ers are gonna go exclusively with Jimmy Garoppolo throughout the rest of the season, unless, you know, I'm knocking on wood, um, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt or just starts playing horribly, which neither of which seem all that likely to happen at this point. So you're gonna have a Trey Lance going into next season that played one half against was the Seahawks, one game against the Cardinals. And then one championship game in college in a, about over a two-year span, I believe that is. And will it be three years? It might be three years. No, it's got to be two years. I don't know the total number of months, but by the time next offseason rolls around and you're rolling with Trey Lance, it's a lot of time to have not played football. And and cool, it's going to be 100% Trey Lance, all the reps, all the practice, all the study sessions. Everything's going to be devoted to Trey Lance. You're still talking about a, essentially still a rookie uh, taking the reins and trying to learn Kyle Shanahan's offense and go out there. And the 49ers aren't going to want to be a rebuilding or a, a meddling team. They're going to want to go out there and win. You know, of course, we I say that right now while the 49ers are 6-5, and five, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure to see that all go down and how it all unfolds um, and how this season plays into it. And obviously you've also still heard the stories of the possibility of Jimmy Garoppolo sticking around next season, which seems absurd, but Hey, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's move on to our last and final topic of the day. 49ers versus the mother and Seahawks. I edited myself right there. Y'all don't need to do it. Editors. 
I bleep myself now. But so one of the things that I was saying a couple of weeks ago when the 49ers played the Jaguars was this is not a trap game. The 49ers are not a good football team right now. Just because they beat the Rams doesn't mean they get the the honor of of calling the Jaguars a trap game, which is typically reserved for a good team. 49ers don't get didn't get that honor from me. It was just a game that they had to win. They had to kick ass if they wanted to be considered a halfway decent team, and they went out and did that. Now we're against the Seahawks. The uh, the three and eight Seattle Seahawks. Three and eight. Now you've got my attention as a trap game. Now you've now you've got my attention as a game that the 49ers could possibly be thinking they're gonna go up to Seattle and run right through the Seahawks, which mm, eh, you can't can't get me there. You cannot get me to that point to think that the 49ers are gonna go up and run through the Seahawks because it just hasn't happened. We we just don't ever see we haven't seen the Kyle Shanahan led 49ers run through the Seahawks in any level ever. The wins that the 49ers have squeaked out, which have only been two since 2017. I believe the 49ers are like two and seven against the Seahawks. The two that they have squeaked out have not been convincing. You have a Dre Greenlaw tackle at the goal line to seal one of those wins, which was an epic, epic, epic play, epic game. And then you have that other one from a couple years ago where the 49ers were sucking, Seahawks were good, and they just kind of pulled out the upset win. And that was one of those wins where everybody's upset because draft position and, you know. But the 49ers have just not been good against the Seahawks. So I, I understand that the 49ers are supposed to be a much, much better football team than the Seahawks right now. But I can't just assume that they're going to go in there and kick ass and take names, you know. And chew bubble gum, and they're all out of gum. Duke Newcomb, I love it. I think one of the 49ers commentators used that on the air during the Vikings game. I think it was a post-game interview, and I can't remember which one said it, but he said, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. I was like, did he just drop a Duke Newcomb line during the middle of, of a press interview? But hey, whatever. Whatever. So 49ers Seahawks and and you know obviously I can't really I'm getting closer to the idea of of a of a trap game a game the 49ers are overconfident but if you listen to the 49ers players in their press interviews talk about this game they're just looking at it like it's them against the Seahawks and there are no records and it's not like the 49ers record is good enough to stand upon anyways they're one game over 500 on a on a on a on a run that has to continue if they want to secure a playoff spot and it's a divisional game. We talked about this earlier. It's a divisional game. They're never a shoe in. They're, they're, I'm not going to say never. They're rarely a shoe in. They're always competitive, dirty games because both teams know each other so well. They don't have any problem getting up, getting motivated, getting pissed off, finding a reason to to turn up in a divisional game. And I don't care that it's this three and eight Seahawks. It's still the 49ers. And you know, again, it's it's not like we're talking about the nine and two forty niners or the seven and four forty niners. We're talking about the six and five forty niners that have just recently seemed to have discovered their groove. Again, the the 49ers have lost to the Seahawks way more than they've won against them in the Kyle Shanahan era. So and and I think that that 
the bad taste in their mouth, that bad taste of how often they lose to the Seahawks is probably pretty strong in the locker room. They know that they haven't been good against the Seahawks, and, and that should propel them forward. I mean, other than the fact that they're professional athletes, they don't need shit to propel them forward. At least they shouldn't. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And of course, despite the fact that he's not playing good, you have Russell Wilson on the other side of the ball. On the other side of the sideline. Like, on the other side of the field, I guess is what I could have said. It's Russell Wilson. He's going to do Russell Wilson things. He's going to make him... I don't care that he looked abysmal against the Washington football team. I mean, even, even an abysmal game for Russell Wilson was completing 64% of his passes for 250 yards and two touchdowns. That was an abysmal Russell Wilson game. And it, it, obviously, with the eye test and the fact that they didn't run the ball at all or couldn't run the ball at all, it just looked a lot worse than it was. But Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson, and the 49ers have still have to account for him. And and sometimes there is no accounting for him. He's just going to do rough stuff. And then when he's throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett against Josh Norman and Emmanuel Mosley, who, shout out to Emmanuel, has been quite good statistically. He's actually been really good. I don't think he's allowed a touchdown all year, something like that. I'd have to go find that stat, but you're dealing with Russell Wilson and you're dealing with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Josh Norman is going to do something stupid. We know what's going to happen. Maybe he'll punch a ball out too. Maybe he'll force another fumble for the 14th time. It's not really 14, but y'all get my pick. You still got, you know, to me, it's just the, the fact that I don't care how bad the Seahawks team has been playing. You still have on offense, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and any one of those players can completely change a game at any moment. And, and you guys don't even need me to tell you that. You're listening to this going, yeah, we know, Rob. We know. We know. You know, the good thing for the 49ers is, statistically speaking, the Seahawks on the on offense are the bottom half of the league in passing and rushing yards. They just have not been good. Period. I think the last two games they haven't eclipsed the fifteen point mark. The four, the Seahawks scored fifteen against uh, Washington. Let's go see what they did. And then they scored thirteen against the Cardinals. So the Seahawks have been struggling. They didn't score any against the Packers the week before that. 0-15-15. The Seahawks offense, 
despite what I just said, statistically has sucked ass. Bottom half of the league in, in passing yards and bottom half of the league in rushing yards. Usually one of those is like a take and give. You know, if I looked at the 49ers right now, they'd probably be bottom half of the league in pass yards, but they're top half of the league in rushing yards. Maybe even top five. So usually there's some give and take there. But the fact that the Seahawks are in the bottom of both, that tells you just how bad they've been. And what's crazy, it ain't getting any better on the other side of the ball either. On defense, the Seahawks are on the bottom half of the league in passing yards allowed and rushing yards allowed. So there's really not a whole lot the 49ers should not be able to do against the Seahawks. However they want to get get after the Seahawks, they should be able to. But again, you know, statistics like that hold up through the course of the season, hold up through 11 games. But in one game, on one afternoon, one divisional rivalry game, stuff like that changes, and it might not hold up. You might have some deviation there. So, you know, all these things bode well for the 49ers, but they're not ironclad. The Seahawks could come out and hold the rest 49ers to less than three yards of carry. Kyle Shanahan has to ask Jimmy Garoppolo to start airing out the ball. You know, it's stuff like, I don't expect, the 49ers, I mean, geez, Louise, in terms of running the ball, my goodness. They ran the ball 39 times against the Vikings. They ran the ball 44 times against the, the Rams. And they ran the ball, where is my... 42 times against the the Jaguars. It seems unlikely that the Seahawks are going to stop the 49ers from running the ball. And what I've liked about the 49ers offense as of late is even when they're averaging about 3.9, 4.1, 4.1 is good. 3.9 is good. But, you know, it's not like they're gashing these uh, teams on, on the ground, but they've just completely committed to running the football, and I love it. And maybe some of that has to do with Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to put too much on him or can't put too much on him. But it it seems unlikely that the Seahawks are going to do something to come out and just completely stifle the 49ers on the ground. But like I said, we've seen weirder things. To me, everything comes – and this is is my my matchup of the week type deal. And And it's two squads. It's not necessarily an individual player. But to me, everything comes down to the defensive line in this game. Uh, That is is my matchup to watch, is the 49ers defensive line versus Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offensive line, who hasn't been good for a while. I want to pull up the stats of Washington's defensive front is respectable. It's not as good as the 49ers. Let's see what they did. Yeah, see, this is a lot right here. Two sacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten quarterback hits and three tackles for loss. That is what, and I, you know, I'd like to see more sacks, but that's tough against Russ. We know that. But this is that's my matchup. That's my that's my my battle to watch. That's my what what could decide the game. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Samson Ebukam, Kevin Givens, who made what could have been the play of the game against the Vikings. You know, DJ Jones, Arden Key, Contavious Street, who looks like he's going to get out there. 
all of those guys against, and then, you know, I, I don't wonder what, what's going on with D Ford. I wonder if he's going to get out there. But that is, to me, that is my matchup of the week. That is my matchup of the game. It's a 49ers defensive line against the Seahawks offensive line and Russell Wilson. That co- That is everything to me. If those guys can get after Russell Wilson, move him off his spot, force him to make dumb mistakes, force him to rush through his process, or get him on the ground, they'll win the game. And they could win the game by a lot if they can get after him consistently enough. But to me, that's 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 my matchup right there. That's every, and then that you know, just that right there neutralizes the Russell Wilson effect, and it neutralizes the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf effect too. That's uh, that's it for me. That that is it. Is that defensive front? Let me uh, let me pop over to the the playoff picture. Let me see. Let's see if it loads. For some reason on my computer, this NFC playoff picture kind of just like sits there and then like acts like it's going to do something and then, then doesn't. Hopefully it's 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 better. Okay, loading, loading, acting like it's going to do something. Didn't do it. Okay, so the, the point I was going to make, and I wanted to just be clear on how I was going to make it, is the 49ers are gaining on the Rams right now. They are, the Rams are still that number five seed, I believe behind um behind the Cardinals. Cardinals are obviously so far and away with the division. I think they're nine and two right now. They've they've got that on lock on lock. Uh they're the number one seed. They're out ahead of the Packers. But you know, as far as the division goes, they're they're well ahead of the, the Rams. Rams are seven and four. 49ers are six and five. I feel like obviously the 49ers handled the Rams easily. It just there's kind of this just this feeling that the Rams are far and away from the 49ers when there's only a one-game difference there. And the moment that, that they tie, the the tiebreaker is their head-to-head matchups, which we know now can only go be as 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 low, I guess you could say, as one and one. The 49ers have already beaten the Rams. Um, if the Rams were to beat the, the 49ers at the end of the season, that would push... That would push the tiebreaker. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. The 49ers are one game back in pure win-to-loss ratio from the Rams. If they can even that out, which, given their schedule, the 49ers have a very good chance of of matching or exceeding the Rams' win-to-loss record. If they can even that out and they go into that last game to where, you know, let's say things are tied up, win-to-loss against the Rams, the next thing is going to be tiebreaker and head-to-head matchups. Um, the 49ers will at, at worst be one and one. If they beat them at the end of the season, they're two and oh, and you've got that going for you. And then after that, you've got division record. Uh, the 49ers need to make sure that, uh, you know, can they afford to lose this game against the Seahawks? Yeah, they could still make the playoffs. Um, but that division record is a key part of determining playoff seating. They can't afford to drop these games after especially dropping two to the Cardinals. One of the games was against Colt McCoy, which still seems wild. But maybe from what we can see, maybe that was the shot in the arm the 49ers needed to get their shit together. So a lot riding on on this matchup against the Seahawks. You know, they've already lost to the Seahawks. They need they their division record, although, you know, you get what I'm saying. There really is a lot at stake here. One, it's the damn Seahawks. Beat it, beat them. Two, 
this just really could affect their playoff seeding, and the 49ers really have a shot at sneaking up into that fifth seed and stealing it from the Rams if they can win games and uh, and and get that division record back to where it should be. Interesting. Interesting. It's just crazy talking about playoff stuff about the 49ers right now with the way this season started. You know, barely squeaking by the Lions for whatever reason. That was a weird game. Uh, you know, for the most part, squeaking by the Eagles, which have been a respectable squad since then. And then you're losing three straight. And it, and it's just like, man, it might have even been four straight. It's just like It just felt like you're like, oh, man, this is going to be a long season. It was four straight. You had losses, a close loss to the Packers. Lost to the Seahawks, a loss to the Cardinals. That was one with Trey Lance. Then you had a loss to the Colts at home that nobody saw coming for the most part. And then, uh, you know, they, they they beat the Bears handedly, and then they lose to the Colt McCoy. So going up to that Colt McCoy loss to the Cardinals, it really just felt like the 49ers, the floor was falling out. And, you know, there wasn't even draft position to look forward to because the 49ers have already given away their first-round pick. But things have turned. They They whipped up on the Rams. They whipped up on the Jaguars. They won a great competitive playoff implication matchup against the Vikings, and they have to keep that going. They have to be able to go up to Lumen Field and beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a three and eight team. I understand it's a division. We've gone over that. But if you want to prove you're the man, you got to be the man. Go in there, handle your business, and then get ready to go handle a, a, a very respectable Bengals team. So a lot of work to do for the 49ers. But again, Seahawks, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans, Rams. I mean, it's, a lot of stuff has to go right, but the 49ers could win out. It's just we're just waiting to see how much has this team really gotten it all together. Is it is it for real? Have they really kind of, you know, tightened up the screws? Some injuries are hurting the 49ers, but at the same time, you got to be able to adjust to that and, and adapt to that. So, all right. Hey, I love y'all. That's it. That's all I got for you. We got Seahawks on Sunday. Okay. Turn up. Let's see it. Um, I will be, uh, that's on Sunday afternoon. So I will be coming at you guys uh, later that evening. And my reaction to the game should be posted Monday morning, bright and early. Hopefully it's a positive one for y'all. You know how it is. I like to keep it positive. It'd be nice if the 49ers did the damn thing. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. I got plenty of people hitting me up on Twitter during that Spotify day um, where Striking Gold was in their top five. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We've gone through quite a bit of change over the last six months. And I just appreciate y'all sticking with me. It really does mean a lot. Um, make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, downloading, listening, all that good stuff that shows up on somebody's spreadsheet. Um, you know, the bosses at B. And that is, that is your support. Hey, don't forget about tickpick.com slash gold. Get yourself some tickets to these last two home games. Uh, be a part of that that, uh, that Levi Stadium atmosphere. It is coming. It is there. Uh, but hey, I appreciate y'all. For another episode, this is this is, uh, this is Striking Gold. That's who we are. That's what, what you're listening to. Striking Gold, all right? It is. It is what it is. It's Striking Gold. I'm Rob. Striking Gold. In case you didn't hurt. But we're still signing up.